Welcome to Mad Ideas. I'm your host, Sky Joiner. Sky is short for Skyler, and my last name is Joiner because uh, my ancestors were professional joiners. They joined the shit out of things. Parties, political clubs, cults. They didn't even mean to immigrate to America. Someone just asked if they wanted to join the ship crew, and they were like, Damn, can't pass that up. So, every week here on Mad Ideas, we argue in favor of an idea that is absolutely batshit stupid. And dark. Also, in the case of today's episode, morally repugnant in the most fundamental and far-reaching way possible. Today's mad idea, cannibalism. Now, I can already conjecture the question, forefront, in everyone's thoughts. What does a human penis taste like? And before anyone vividly describes for us the taste of genitalia, what I mean is, what is it like to cut it up and eat it? Luckily, it is a testament to the robust state of journalism that we have an answer. In 2004, in northern Germany, a 43-year-old computer technician named uh, Brandis answered an ad, put up on a website for cannibalism fetishist. Uh, And the ad was seeking someone who wanted to be eaten alive. Uh, Brandis was like, yeah, let's do this. Literally eat my ass. The craziest thing about it, too, is they only lived a few hours from each other. You'd think that if you wanted to eat an actual human being that you'd have to fly to some, like, broken-down, you know, despondent country and give a password in a dark alleyway. Next door, you know, that Greek mafia is selling used kidneys. But nope. Other dude just jumped in his Subaru and was like, should I pick up some Merlot on the way? Also, quick side note. Why has nobody made a romantic horror-style movie based on this? Okay, here's the pitch. It's sort of like you've got mail, but instead it's you've got a male's penis in front of you on a dinner plate. That's because, as you might have guessed, they ate the dude's dick. Or tried to. And before going into details, I should pause here and say that if there are any younger kids listening with you right now, then you should probably turn the volume up. Can't shelter them from the fucked up realities of the world forever. Also, this will probably scar them. So, Brandis, the soon-to-be-eaten, gobbled up a bunch of sleeping pills and schnapps, as you do. Then the 42-year-old Mywis... 42... I mean, they're even only a year apart in age. That, uh, that's the universe talking. I, what are the odds of that, right? Uh, yeah. Then he cut off his penis. 
Now, <laughs> if this was a movie, there'd be like, I don't know, a cutaway scene and the sound of Maiwis giving a single clean cut on a chopping board and boom, penis clean off. Uh, maybe the other guy goes cross-eyed and faints on the floor. But because real life is super dumb, and <laughs> warning here, Get ready to recoil every single muscle in horror. Uh, These guys used a dull knife, and it took 20 whole seconds, and there was tons of screaming. Oh, God. Yeah, Maiwa said the blood shot up like a fountain. Yeah, put that mental image in your head. A fucking fountain. Then... Maiwis fried the penis with garlic, salt, and pepper. But both men were disappointed to find, and I quote, it wasn't edible. Worst potluck ever. Eventually, as per Brannis' explicit wishes, uh, Maiwis slit his throat, chopped up his body, and, over the next few weeks, defrosted the human meat to eat with his meals. In fact, he supposedly ate about 20 kilograms, uh, almost 44 pounds, total. I have no idea how he got that number, but we'll take his word for it. Yet, after German media... Uh, satisfied the internal question of what a cooked penis tastes like, rubbery, in case you're ever asked on Jeopardy, uh, the big puzzle was how, or even if, they could classify this as a crime. After all, Brandis was totally game. If we think of his body as the most basic form of his property, then it was, theoretically, his prerogative if he wanted to divvy it up and give it away piecemeal. I know, I know. There's a joke somewhere here about divvying up his piece in a meal? Ah, I'll have our scientists in the lab get to work on it stat. We'll, uh, we'll get back to you with the results. But what exactly was the crime? Murder? Unlawful assisted suicide? If it strikes you as bizarre that prosecutors even had to debate this, uh, after all, I mean, dude sliced up other dude into pieces and ate him, which you'd think would at least warrant a few hours of community service, just remember that consent matters, whether violence, sex, or anything else. The difference between an MMA cage match and a sucker punch, for example, is the consent of both parties. It applies even to the same old place. Going where you don't want to go is called kidnapping. Or it's little league practice. It's it's a thin line. So what were they going to charge Mywis with if Brandis consented to every single step? Did they... Get him on tax evasion like Al Capone? Actually, and I swear to God this is true, I'm not making this up, he was the first person 
to ever be charged with love cannibalism. True story. Again, how is this movie not playing on AMC right now? But, you know, for real deal, I, I don't want to seem like I'm making light of cannibalism. Here on the show, we laugh about a lot of really dark things, but I doubt anyone will debate the fact that cannibalism crosses a very clear moral line. Which is exactly what makes it so cool. It's like catching your friend's older brother smoking a joint behind the bleachers. Is it wrong? Well, that's what mom says, but... (laughs) No, but I I won't sugarcoat it. It is a pretty dark subject. So, uh, buckle up, boys and girls, and let's get weird. First off, why is cannibalism bad? Here, I would like to remind you of four little words. Squirting, fountain, of blood. Mm, Definitely not the sexy kind of squirting. And when love bites start veering into the territory of uh, real bites, well, sounds painful, actually. If you're at the bar and some girl is giving you lust eyes from across the room, you don't want to walk up and realize she's actually giving you the hunger eyes because she's imagining marinating you in Italian dressing and soy sauce, like salmon. (laughs) I don't know what you would marinate human meat in. Uh, Cannibalism, in fact, is about as far off the register of acceptable, even envisionable, human behavior as it gets. The only time cannibalism uh, even enters normal conversation is when discussing desperate uh, tragedies where normal people commit unthinkable acts, like accidentally sharing a porn video on social media. Yeah, oh yeah, Pornhub. Yeah, everyone is definitely going to use that share button. Oh, look, Stacy put a amateur babysitter gangbang video on her Facebook wall. Hmm. What emoticon am I going to use for this one? Yeah, sorry, that is not going to happen. Who else was sorry? The Donner Family children. Ain't nobody like a Donner Family party, because a Donner Family party forces children to eat their dead relatives. The... Donner Party famously got trapped by winter when heading west, resorting to cannibalism. But what's less well known is that most were children. Man, as if puberty wasn't crazy enough already. Am I right, guys? Huh? Still still better than food from school lunches, huh? You know, the those school... Lunches from the uh, from the school. I I bet that you know family reunions were okay. No, I'll sorry, I'll stop. But if I had to guess the other top semi-recent moment of cannibalism, I'd go with the Nazi siege of Leningrad. If you're interested in the siege of Leningrad, I'd suggest you read about literally anything else. Man, it was fucked up. I think the Siege of Leningrad was a test run for the apocalypse, but 
God saw that shit and was like, whoa, whoa, oh, man, ow. It's not how I saw it on paper. Uh, One person writing about it later uh, said, and I quote, In time of famine, people revealed themselves uh, stripped of all trumpery. Some turned out marvelous, incomparable heroes. Others, scoundrels, villains, murderers, cannibals. There were no half measures. (laughs) Everyone listening just now was like, I would totally be a hero. No, you wouldn't. You go and stare into your fridge when you're not even hungry. How do you think you do when you're actually starving? So, cannibalism has what we might call a bad rep. And its bad rep status also has a long-standing function in uh, historical writings as well. Since way back in the ancient days, if a civilized society, quote-unquote, wished to juxtapose themselves against uh, some other, quote-unquote, barbarous other society, one that was, you know, normally far away, the charge of cannibalism was the go-to card. But... That charge was almost always bullshit. It was kind of like the popular girls' table in school. Hey, what do you think of the new girl? The new girl? Total slot. Really? Really. Plus, don't tell anyone, but I heard she feasts on the flesh of human beings. She's a cannibal? Total cannibal. So, obviously... If it has such a long story tradition as an insult, then the case against cannibalism must be pretty straightforward, right? Uh, not as much as you'd think. I mean, it's fucking cannibalism. Seems like a pretty open and shut case. But, if you dig, then uh, as with most taboos tied to the fundamentals of the human condition... It gets messy. First, strip away all the taboos. Is it physically bad for you? Nope. Well, actually, eating the brains is, and because they ate the brains, the four people of Papua New Guinea once suffered from a neurogenerative disease called Kuru, which leads to a loss of control over one's muscle movements until one can't speak or swallow, And you lose control over your bowels and you shit yourself to death. But, I mean, besides that... And hey, bacon isn't great for you either. So, avoid the head and you're good. And, if someone is dead and you only eat the meat because, I mean, it's not like they need it, then, uh, you know, why not? This argument is twofold. One, instinct. Uh, As we talked about back in the Sacrificing Virgins episode, taboos aren't pulled out of thin air. They're a built-up empirical knowledge to help navigate and subvert deep and troubled human impulses which can oftentimes channel into destructive tendencies. If your gut tells you, dude, what the fuck, then... You know, listen. But, Sky, you might say, 
We've outgrown lots of outdated and archaic fears before. How is this different? First off, I don't fucking know you, okay? I'm out here trying to enjoy dinner with my family. Don't come harass me. But please, have a seat. It is true in the most detached way possible that eating a slice of human meat isn't terribly different than consuming pork. On a material level, anyway. But this also fails to contextualize the act in two important regards. Its effect on the living and the meaning infused in the act. These two things are more subtle, though no less is important. For example, the dead may be dead, but it doesn't feel that way. They still look like the people we loved. Nobody wants to be at their gram-gram's funeral and have the neighbors show up asking if they can borrow a limb or two for their barbecue. And it's not just the immediate effects. The meaning that we infuse in both the act and the image, meaning how we view the human being in an abstract sense, has profound implications. Think of how drastically society changed when we realized man was not, in fact, the center of the universe, but instead that the universe was unfathomably endless and that eons of history stretched back billions and billions of years. It rendered our lives pitifully short and made the individual small, and society, as a result, underwent tectonic shifts. And that is just the abstract version. Imagine literally seeing how little a human being matters when you're at your neighbor's picking bits of your grandma from between your teeth. Plus, personally, I would argue that the idea of eating a person triggers a deep-seated existential fear in a human being. Consider that Even in its most visceral and violent form, a community, the most basic tribe, is uh, a prearranged agreement above animalistic impulses. It means banding together for sustenance and aid, which then means that the image of eating another of your kind is the most bottom-of-the-barrel horrific shit to be reduced to. It's when all of the unspoken and tenuous norms of our society binding us together no longer matter. Again, like the popular girls' table. I've seen Mean Girls. I know how this works. Uh, The human psyche, though, is not coldly transactional. It's complex. And the sanctimony of human life and of the human body is a millennia-old cultural belief that has markedly improved our world. But, you know, personally, I don't give a shit about humans. Humans are not only not number one on my list, they're, like, number 13. They're below particularly cute red pandas, i.e., every single red panda that ever lived. So, how low on my list are they? Well, here's an example. Uh, I am pro-choice. No, and I don't, I don't mean, you know, before giving birth. 
I mean, up until, like, age nine. Oh, hey, I noticed that you didn't RSVP for Timmy for uh, Stevie's birthday party next Saturday. Yeah, well, Timmy wouldn't clean his room, so... So, now that we've established that I am a biased source, uh, what on God's green earth could possibly be the reason for cannibalism? <sighs> okay, alright. I'm just going to come out and say what everyone's thinking, okay? Babies are probably delicious. There, I said it, it's out there, let's just move on. Next subject. <laughs> uh, by the way, if I ever run for public office, that is going to make for the best voiceover in a, an attack ad against me. Sky Joiner wants to eat babies. But seriously, let's not eat babies, no matter how delicious they may be. That's like arguing we should all do meth because it feels real good. I know everyone wants to eat babies and smoke meth, but I don't care. I'm putting my foot down here. None of that. <laughs> now, one argument for cannibalism is that we're so detached from the actual process of the food industry anyway that it really wouldn't matter as much as we'd like to think. I mean, we already as a populace managed to psychologically justify our current hypocrisy anyways. Let's be real. None of us think too hard about where our meat comes from. It's a prepackaged product that you buy at the supermarket that has the same lifeless quality as, say, a bag of chips. But facts about the meat industry are staggering. Somewhere around 9 billion land animals are killed every year in the U.S. alone. For uh, aquatic animals, it's in the range of 71 billion. Overall, that's over 9 million animals killed every single hour. And I don't think any of us are under the illusion that these animals are treated humanely under factory farming. When the bottom line is the top priority, then efficiency, however cruel, beats all other concerns. All this means that tens of billions of animals are kept in torturous conditions every year for us to throw away half a hamburger because you forgot to tell them not to put pickles on it. And if that doesn't faze someone the least bit morally, then... What's the ethical high ground against eating a willing human source that dies peacefully and tastes the exact same? Imagine if Soylent Green was delicious and packaged the exact same way as pork, and you could go on never having to think about where it came from, just like we do now. Would we care that much? Shit. I haven't had a joke in a couple minutes. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, people'd be like, hamburger, more like human burger. Nailed it. Now, to me, the best argument against the previous one 
isn't that animals and humans are so different that it's okay to torture animals, because that's some serial killer shit, but rather to flip the argument on its head, i.e., If we as consumers tacitly agree to these inhumane conditions for animals, then if there's no taboo about eating human meat, then what's to prevent the same cruelty being done to humans? This flip extends the moral argument that it's better not to eat any factory-produced meat, animal or human, period, And we'd be better off just shutting down all of those detached corporate slaughterhouses altogether. Yeah, then we'll all just sit around a fire and hum folk songs. Because there is no way that is going to happen anytime soon. If bacon made you shit yourself to death, then there'd still be like 15% of the population who would eat it. And they'd be the exact same people who post angry Facebook screeds about how they put fluoride in the water to control your mind. So, Soylent Green it is. Little Green Wafers. I mean, I think that sounds delicious. You know the crazy thing about Soylent Green, though? I think if the people in the futuristic world where the movie's set had started out eating people, then there'd be no need to eat people. Okay, I know that sounds like it doesn't make any sense, and it probably won't, but bear with me here. Let's flesh this out. Okay, the Soylent Green World is basically a cautionary tale, right, where overcrowding and climate change and vast inequalities of wealth have made the world super shitty. Uh, More people make climate change worse, and the people hurt most by these changes are poor folk. So, let's pretend our world is the pre-Soylent Green world. Right now, animal agriculture actually makes up for about 14 to 18% of human greenhouse gas. Deforestation makes up about 18% too, but uh, a lot of times the reason deforestation happens is to expand pasture lands for the livestock sector. Then, there's the secondary causes of emission that are bound up in agriculture as well. So, Going meatless wouldn't stop the main causes of global warming, but it would put a big, huge dent in it. Now, imagine replacing the livestock sector with Soylent Green. Boom! You just killed two birds with one stone. Less people, more food. Overpopulation solved with a side of beans. And I'm sure that once we get to, I don't know, about a quarter of the population cooked up and eaten, then uh, that'll definitely help lower emissions contributing to climate change. I was about to say that the real problem would be wealth inequality. It wasn't the rich folk in Soylent Green that were getting chopped up on the slab, after all. But I think I might be wrong. I think... 
cannibalism might be great for lessening the wealth gap. Okay, think about it. Number one, if there's less people competing for the same jobs, then wages will rise as a result. Then there's all the income that would be uh, freed up from regular folks who have to budget monthly for food, normally running about 10 to 15% of uh, their salary, because human meat can basically cost nothing. After all, the real difference between human beings and livestock is that human beings will pay for themselves up until the time it's time to fry them up. That means there's zero overhead. Plus, one of the biggest problems for the poor has always, historically speaking, been unavoidable debt from big events, uh, such as illnesses, weddings, and funerals, which then create a cycle trapping them. Problem fucking solved. No need to buy a casket and a plot of land when you can just fire up the grill instead. Yeah, that's right. This burial just turned into a motherfucking block party. Or we could just eat the rich people. However you want to do it. But, I mean, I think the results speak for themselves. We've been thinking of Soylent Green as the horrific outcome of a society pushed to the brink when... Really, Soylent Green is the delicious key to preventing it in the first place. Paradoxically, the only way that we can prevent cannibalism is to resort to cannibalism. Case solved. Thanks for streaming my tongue in your meat holes. This has been Matt Iders, and I'm Sky Joiner. Now... Let's get this Donner party started, y'all.